Welcome to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. In this episode, we discuss the current state of California's climate, how it's changed in recent years, and what we face in 2021, including a significant drought and warmer temperatures, setting the stage for a potentially severe and lengthy fire season. My guest is Brian Garcia, Warning Coordination Meteorologist for the National Weather Service, serving the San Francisco Bay Area. So you're the Warning Coordinator. Can you talk a little bit about that title and and what that means with regard to how you inform us and deal with California's climate? Warning Coordination Meteorologist is, I mean, you kind of break down the words, right? I am the go-between, the coordinator for warnings between our partner agencies and our office. Our office does have responsibility for issuing uh, watches and warnings for significant weather events. So for example, you know, if we're talking about fire, we would issue a fire weather watch. So we're looking at conditions potentially coming together and that could create a hazard if a fire were to start. And then red flag warning is where conditions are occurring or eminent to be conducive to carrying large fires. We will actually talk with the different counties, the state, the fire agencies about what it looks like for their area. How have things, do they look different now from when you started doing this work? And if so, how? And do they look different now from the historical knowledge and data that you've looked at? It's amazing to me in the short five years that I've been in this office, how things have changed. So I rolled in in uh, January of 2016 into this office after coming out of Northwest California, which has its own (laughs) issues up there. And In 2016, we saw the end of the 2012 to 2016 drought. We got this miracle march, brought pretty much everybody up in the Bay Area and Monterey Bay regions to around 100% of normal for the water year. Wiped the forehead like, okay, maybe we're getting out of this thing. And then we had the big Sobranus fire down in uh, the Big Sur area. And it was like, okay, we know we get fires here. But then 2017 hit, and I know you're all acutely aware in Sonoma County and North Bay uh, of 2017. That was truly a game changer. It made us all look at fire weather in a whole different way. We knew the tunnel fire, the Oakland Hills fire, and that urban wildland interface, like that's historical. It makes all of our skins crawl. And then tubs happened. And that really made all our skins crawl and just our hearts break for the communities that we serve. After that, it was like, wow, okay, that is a career banner event. Like no way on God's green earth we'll ever see something like that again. Right. But then we went into 2018 and of course um, there was the devastation of the campfire, just an absolute tragedy. And then 2019, some really big fires. And we just started seeing the fires grow and grow and grow in size and intensity. Uh, And then of course, last year with the big lightning siege and all the fires and the short time that I've been here, we've seen the fires get bigger We've seen them cross that wildland urban interface. We've seen them burn hotter. We've seen our utility companies respond differently to these things. That's in five years. We've had so much change in our area just in fire weather. It's crazy. That moment in 2017 when it was like, wow, this is a once in a lifetime or a once in a generation event. 
and then it's every year. I was in the Sonoma County Emergency Operations Center for a week after those fires started. And I spent two weeks down in Slidell, Louisiana, when Deepwater Horizon happened. So I was helping the weather service office down there. And I thought, wow, this is a career event. And, <laughs> and then I end up in Sonoma County as a career event. And I'm tired of career events. I don't want them anymore. It breaks my heart for loss of life breaks my heart for people's properties being lost. It just saddens me all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we all feel that way. Coming from the news world, this is my career news event, right? Like 9-11 or a Columbine, right. and then there are more shootings. It's really affecting us. People are getting harmed. People are getting displaced. Yeah. I think you and probably other experts, you're, you're the expert in the room, were thinking this isn't going to happen again next year, and then it did. So here we are in this situation. What's going on? Why are we seeing these types of events so frequently in Northern California? You have to look back. We so much live in the here and now. We're in this moment and Twitter says this and like five seconds later, it's like so far down your feed, it doesn't matter anymore. So it's one of those things where we have to take ourselves out of the here and now and expand our look in terms of what's happened to bring us to the here and now. We have to know our our meteorological history. We have to know our climatological history. What's normal? How is it changing? How are those normals changing? And then what can we project into the future and what do we need to plan for into the future? When you look back just into the early 2010s, it seems like every year we're breaking all-time records for warmth. And so in 2012 through 2016, we had a big drought. That drought stressed the vegetation, like people couldn't even imagine. And, you know, people don't think about it. When we see these trees out uh, in the Russian River Valley and you're just like, man, these are, these are green. These are beautiful trees. And it's like, yeah, they're beautiful, but they are just like doing everything they can to be beautiful for you. And they're stressed. And then, you know, we look into other areas, you know, the Mayacamas, foothills of the Sierra, and we start to have a lot of tree mortality, bark beetle, sudden oak death. There are all these vegetation issues that have cropped up from a changing climate in just the last like 12 years. And because we've set that stage, the recovery from that takes a long time. You know, you and I aren't like 16 years old anymore, right? It's like, if we were to break our leg we're not going to recover like a 16-year-old would. It's going to take us months and rehab and all this sort of stuff. And that's our um, ecosystem out there. It takes a long time for it to recover from these huge stressors. And unfortunately, the stressors haven't gone away. So when you're trying to heal from a sickness that you had while you still have another sickness, you're going to continue to have issues. And that's kind of where we're at now. I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about when we were kids, you know, growing up, because I spent the first 10 years in the Bay Area of my life. Yeah. So I grew up in the Bay Area too. I don't ever remember when I was a kid smelling smoke. No. There's no recollection of it at all. Same here. Yeah. And even in Washington, when uh, we moved to Washington State, I don't ever remember summers really smelling smoke. Until we got into like the late 90s and into the 2000s, then it started becoming a little bit more and more. There's a signal in there. If we have longevity in an area, all of us have these stories. And those stories are a data point for us to remember this world 
is changing. Well, you started with this whole the tweet things going by. We all live our lives like that in this cultural context. And so we don't have a good knowledge of history. When the Tubbs fire and these other fires occurred, I remember there were maps of a fire that occurred in the 1960s and it had sort of the same signature. Hanley fire. Yeah, thank you. Going through the Fountain Grove. And so it's not like we had no knowledge that fire could burn through there, but we built there anyway, right? Because of short-term thinking. And then it became much worse because of the drought conditions and the climate conditions, et cetera. How do we shift our thinking so that we care for things better in the circumstances we find ourselves? Philosophical question. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a very philosophical question. No, I, I love them. By no means is this like an opinion of Noah or any stretch of the imagination. This is just me pontificating with you. You know, you made me think of this book I read years ago. It came out in the early 80s. It's called Cadillac Desert. And essentially, it's how the West was won for water, right? So they talk a lot about the Colorado River. And the Colorado River uh, feeds a number of states. And in California, the southeast corner of the state is very squiggly. It follows the Colorado. The reason it was done that way, so California could stake some claim to the Colorado. Well, what they did is they have a number of states that touch the Colorado River, and so everybody wants part of this thing. And so they they divided up the water coming through the river amongst these states based on like a five-year average of the stream levels, the amounts of water coming through the river. Well, it turns out that they chose like five of the wettest years, (laughs) right? So now there have been fights, political and physical fights over water coming out of that because there's never been enough to spread between the states and leave enough to flow into the uh, Sea of Cortez. And so that completely ruined the ecosystem in Mexico. And then you have fights amongst the states. What we need to do, again, this is just uh, philosophizing with you, is take a much broader look. And then when we take that broader look, we can't sit static on that look. It continually needs to be evaluated and adjusted to match the latest knowledge. When we talk about any sort of natural resource management or even weather and climate, trying to imagine what things might look like down the road. We can't just look at the last, you know, five, 10 years and say, okay, this is what it's been. And now we can project this out. No, we've got to look at a long history of what we know and everything that we know and how it looks. I think there's a responsibility for us all to look back, take it in context, but then to continue to build on that knowledge. And as scientists, I might be wrong. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I would rather have new information come in, get vetted, get worked into the canon of data and have better results come out of it than just me saying, no, I'm right and that's the way it is. So we need to get out of our own way. We need to ditch the ego and we need to take a broader look and continue to incorporate more information. And I think that goes for the general public as well. When a scientist says, I might be wrong, they don't mean I don't think I calculated correctly. You know, they don't mean, I don't know, I did a sloppy job. What they mean is this is the best we can do with the knowledge that we have. New knowledge might come forth. You mentioned that we've recovered somewhat from the 2012 drought 
but the vegetation was stressed and is still figuring out how to recover. Well, it's 2021, and not only are we facing a drought, we're in a drought emergency, but I think people are like, oh, we've recovered from the drought, right? No, we're in another one. We're clearly in a situation where it's not the way it was when you and I were kids. It's something different, and we have to deal with what is. So we had our drought in 2012, 2016. The winter 16, 17 is really kind of when it got all busted. We had a massive rain year. Everything slid. I mean, Marin County was just liquefied pretty much. So that was five years ago. Five years ago isn't that long. We're able to respond to that speed of change as humans, but our environment is not able to respond to that speed of change. So when we're looking at like these big, heavy fuel type trees, they soak up the water and they kind of store it, drink it throughout the season. They can withstand a year or two of drought. But then when they get stressed over the course of four and a half, five year drought, they're parched. And so they're soaking up all the water they can after that to try to rebuild that supply. And then when we have a huge water year, like 16, 17, where we had something like 200% of normal, sometimes there's just too much rain too fast. We can uh, sequester that in reservoirs, but it doesn't mean that the trees can soak it up. It doesn't mean that the soils are absorbing all that water. There's a lot of runoff there. And then we're followed up by a year of normal, near normal precipitation, another heavy year, and then a couple below normal years. Those are like the last five years. And we're still trying to recover ecologically from that. It's a delicate balance and we need to be cognizant of it and pay attention to it. We can't be myopic on our views. Yeah. And what you're describing is different. It's a different climate than I remember our region having this idea of a deep drought, deep rainfall, deep drought. There are multiple reasons. You know, when we were kids in the Bay Area, there just weren't as many people here. It's no slight on population growth. That's fine. But we're moving out into the hills. We all want to be a part of nature. Like we want to get back to that, that peacefulness, that serenity. So we build our homes up in the woods and we expect everything to be safe. Like you were talking about the Hanley fire in the 60s up in Santa Rosa area. You know, that came down the hill, almost matching the tubs. The wind patterns there show up occasionally like that. Now the vegetation in 2017 versus 64 was much more stressed than it was then. And then we also have a larger population in the area as well. So we have more people in harm's way. I talk to our partners at Alameda County Office of Emergency Services all the time. I was like, hey guys, Oakland Hills, it will go again someday. The hillside burned, homes burned, two dozen people, I believe, perished. And we cleaned it up and we built there again and built more. You're listening to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. We're talking with National Weather Service meteorologist Brian Garcia about drought and climate in California. We need to learn from our history and we need to learn from our stories and make better decisions on how we can reach into nature and be a part of it and enjoy that because we really need it. As humans, we need it. But then also how can we protect it while protecting ourselves as well. And there's a balance there. I don't know what to strike with that. I'm just a meteorologist. <laughs> That's up to much smarter people than I. <laughs> but it's good that the meteorologist says, hey, this is important. That's a good thing for us to hear. So what is our 
climate situation or what are our seasons now in California? I'm curious. <laughs> People would say we have the, the cool season and the smoke season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So depending upon where you're at in the Bay Area, of course, it can manifest itself in different ways. Um, but we still do have the four seasons. The Bay Area and California as a whole, really, it's kind of a boomer bust state. I mean, it's kind of like going mining for gold. You know, you could spend months up there in them thar hills trying to find gold and find nothing. And then the guy, like the next valley over, struck it rich. It's really boomer bust here in terms of water supply. Some winters we just get hammered, other winters we don't get anything. But when you average that out over time, that's how we get our normals. So when you hear that we had a normal water year, that comes as a result of that boomer bust. And we just got lucky that we hit that normal. The thing that we want to see, and we used to see more, is we'd see just more consistent storms drop through. We'd see these cold fronts come in out of Northwest and slide across, give us beneficial rain, as we like to call it, or I like to call it Goldilocks rain. (laughs) Not too much, not too little, it's just right. We'd get that consistently. But over time, what we're seeing with a changing climate, we're talking uh, globally now, we're starting to see larger swings in intensity. So we're getting more intense storms that are bringing us lots of precipitation, lots of water, or like big wind events. We're starting to see those more, and the ecosystem can't capture it all. We're starting to see these changes in climate. A lot of people notice it and they recognize it. And other people are like, we don't have a long enough record. We can't tell definitively that this is what it is. The problem is we can't wait to say that it's definitive to act. Because if we waited to tell the fire response agencies in Sonoma County, so the Kincaid fire is on the ground. And there's a wind event coming in three days, and we're expecting 100 to 120-mile wind gusts up in the hills. If we waited until the winds were actually occurring to tell people, the fire agencies would have had to wait in order to evacuate people to get them out of harm's way. And at that point, it's too late. Thinking of that with climate, we have to make some hard decisions now Without perfect information, we've just got to do with what we have and make some decisions moving forward. And then, like I said earlier, you know, we learn as we go and we incorporate that information and we modify and change. We can't be static. We have to get comfortable with change. That's great advice. The boom and bust and getting comfortable with change is definitely things we need to be better at communicating and taking in. We're in the boom and bust. It looks like we're busting into a drought at this point. So what does the fire season look like for this year? Um, I've heard some dire predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we talked about, the uh, uh, twenty. 12 to 2016 drought stressed everything. All of that's still stressed. And we have a warming climate. So we're seeing warmer and warmer temperatures, even if it's just by a couple degrees and it might be imperceivable to us as humans, it is totally perceivable by the ecosystem. So all of that has set the stage for this year, really. I mean, last year at the end of the 2019-2020 water season, we ended up about half of the average annual precipitation. California is a heavily managed water state. We can handle it. The ecosystem can't. And so when that lightning storm came through, it lit up all that dryness. 
all the way down to the coast. I mean, talking the Woodward Fire down on the Marin Coast, the CZU in Santa Cruz, where the iceberg plants were smoldering. Wow. It's just ridiculous. Wow. And so this year, the water season doesn't end until September 30th, but effectively, we're not going to get any more rain this year. And so we are running probably about 30 to 40% of average on the water year. So that compounded on the 50% of average from the previous water year is what has propelled us into this drought situation. When you look at the U.S. drought monitor, those are meteorological and agricultural drought conditions. That's not declaring any sort of drought and emergency or anything. That's up to the governor's office to do that in coordination with the counties. That's just highlighting where things are dire in terms of water supply and agricultural needs. One of our meteorologists is trying to find some kind of uh, correlation between drought and fire season. It's not a great correlation. What we can say is temperatures are going up, and that is a big problem. Because when we raise the temperatures and when we have uh, especially warmer nights, warmer nights are a big deal. When we have warmer than normal nights, when we have warmer than normal days, when we have sunny days, it's beating down on the ecosystem. And that ecosystem is, and I'm going to give you your word for the day, and you can use this in Scrabble if you'd like. It's evapotranspiration. Ooh, that's the best word ever. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so. Thank you. These uh, meteorologists back in the day came up with evapotranspiration because it describes the evaporation of the moisture out of the soils and the transpiration of the moisture out of the vegetation. And so when you get warmer temperatures, that evapotranspiration value goes up. So in other words, we're drying things out faster. We're already stressed and still recovering from 2012-2016 drought. Now we're restressing it again from another drought, and we've continued to warm the temperatures over time. So all of that is playing a role in drying out the fuels faster. The rain that we had recently, we had like just a, a little spit of rain come through, and people were like, oh, God, that's going to be great, you know, and it's like, okay, we got to look at the time of year these things happen as well. <laughs> it's good and it's bad. One it blunted the tip of fire season. It really did. It moistened up the fine fuels uh, nicely and things are now delayed maybe a week or two. That's nice. The downside is now we've watered the lawn. And what happens when you water the lawn? New grass grows. Now we have this new grass crop that's growing up. Everything looks green and beautiful. It's wonderful. Well, we're throwing heat on it today. Today's Thursday the 29th, and it's going to be in the 80s. And then we're just going to continue to warm up because guess what? Summer's coming. And all that grass that just grew from watering the lawn, it's all going to dry out. And we're going to have the opportunity for some early big grass fires because we have a large grass crop. Then we get into the fall and we'll get into our typical um, offshore wind season. So bringing those dry offshore winds across a parched summer surviving uh, ecosystem. And then at that point, all it takes is a spark. I think this is a good time to highlight. There is only one natural cause to wildfires, just one. And it happened last year, it's lightning. Every other cause to a wildfire start is human related in some way, shape or form. 
It's because we've put something there or somebody's out mowing their lawn and they hit a rock and it sparks, you know, somebody has their, their toe chains hanging too low and it's sparking along some moron out there still thinks they can flick a cigarette butt out their window, lightning and humans. That's really important and not said enough. So I'm really, really glad that you explicitly called it out because I do think we need to say these things out loud. I mean, it's everyone's responsibility. We need our systems and our institutions, but we need average everyday people also to pay attention to being good stewards where where we are so that we can try to prevent some of this stuff. What can people of California do to prepare for this coming year, the fire season, the drought, and the potentialities that it brings? In terms of preparation for drought, it's really important that people understand that you're in California. It's a boomer bust state it's always a good time to conserve water. When you practice conservation efforts all the time, if we practice the simple things day in and day out, it's always a good time to conserve water. So that's for drought. When drought becomes deeper and deeper and there become mandatory water restrictions and things like that, take that serious because it really means something to our food supply. It means something to the fire agencies because you want a green lawn. It means the lack of water for somebody else who might be working to either feed you or protect you. And it means something to our ecosystem. I mean, we have great fish that run in our rivers. They need some depth in the river to actually get up and down those things. And we want to be able to eat salmon for years to come, right? So we need to think about these things. Every little bit matters. You guys sitting at home listening to this, you matter. What you do at home matters. Everybody did something. It would matter. Then when we're talking about fire season, essentially don't be that spark that starts the next wildfire. Don't be that spark. Please don't be that spark. If you live in an area that's that's susceptible to fire, and guess what? If you live near vegetation, you're susceptible to fire. And that's forest? That's suburb? That is everybody. Clear a space around your house. Go on to Cal Fire's website, find out what you can do to prepare your home to be fire resistant. You're never going to stop 100% of everything, but you can give yourself a better shot at being resistant. And guess what? When you take your action at your home, you're going to help the firefighters to not have to take that action at your home to protect your home. That means they can protect the community as opposed to individuals, which is great. The other thing that you need to do in preparation for fire season is have a plan. You want to have your evacuation plan. You want to have a a list of everything ready to go. If there are threats for um, fires, put everything in the bag, be ready to go in case you need to evacuate. When you're told to evacuate, evacuate. Just leave. It helps the responding agencies to actually respond to the incident and not to necessarily have to herd people out of an area. Have a NOAA weather radio because if the power goes out, if cell service is down, NOAA weather radio, strangely enough, is up and transmitting. And we have worked with our county partners that we will relay messages to the counties. Uh, To me, this is huge. Be a community. Know your neighbors. 
especially if you are in a prone area and those people who, uh, you know, survived the Tubbs fire, they can probably tell stories about this. Like they wish they knew their neighbor and people knocking on doors, hammering on doors, know your infrastructure. If you can get your car out and you have an elderly neighbor, put them in your car, get them out of there, you know, have a community block party, meet people, exchange numbers, But make sure that you know each other. If you have power, make sure that you pay attention, watch TV, have the radio on, listen to what's going on. I'm from San Francisco, urban. We didn't have any wildfires in my county. Why should I care? We should all be concerned about wildfires and we should all be taking precautions no matter where we're at in terms of wildfires because we are going to be impacted by smoke. We are going to have the air quality issues And that in and of itself is a health emergency. When we're living under smoke for a month, month and a half, whatever it was last year, we all end up with lung issues. We all have challenges breathing. And those who already have asthma or pre-existing conditions, it just becomes more and more problematic. That right there is a data point of a changing climate. Right. I walk out my door in San Francisco and I think I'm back at college in L.A. I'm like, it feels like L.A. today. What's going on? Exactly. Yeah. So let's be smart about it. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And be, be kind to each other. Thank you to my guest, Brian Garcia, Warning Coordination Meteorologist for the National Weather Service, serving the San Francisco Bay Area. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. In addition to hearing news in context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and PRX. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at News in Context SF and on Instagram at News in Context. And you can find links to all of that at newsincontext.net. I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.